You are listening to ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. Cannabis has numerous potential therapeutic benefits to medical patients. However, the products of normal combustion or regular smoking are quite undesirable. The Volcano System is a relatively new device to deliver THC without the harmful co-traffickers of carbon monoxide and other toxins. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm your host, Dr. Larry Kaskill. Joining me today is Dr. Donald Abrams, Professor of Clinical Medicine at UCSF, Chief of Hematology and Oncology at San Francisco General Hospital, Director of Clinical Programs at UCSF Osher Center for Integrative Medicine. Dr. Abrams is here to talk about his article in Clinical Pharmacology and Therapeutics on Vaporization as a Smokeless Cannabis Delivery System. Welcome to the show, Dr. Abrams. Thanks. It's a pleasure to be here. I was wondering if we could start with what the current medical indications for using cannabis are, if any. My goodness. Where? In this country? In California. Oh, in California, we passed a law in 1996, which basically allows physicians to discuss the use of medical cannabis to patients with a wide variety of conditions ranging from AIDS, cancer, multiple sclerosis, anorexia, cachexia, glaucoma, and then for any other condition for which it may provide relief. So our legislation in California is quite broad. But as far as recognized medical indications for use of cannabis, uh, you know, there aren't many. The the closest we come is in 1999, the Institute of Medicine uh, issued their report on marijuana as medicine and suggested that it may be useful in patients with anorexia, nausea and vomiting, pain, and spasticity. You know, it's interesting, the, the, you mentioned the Institute of Medicine, and they do state that smoking marijuana is not a desirable delivery system. And I'm wondering why they place such an emphasis on the delivery system. Is that, is that kind of their out? Well, I think that's part of it. I think, you know, even when I started to study marijuana as a medicine 15 years ago, colleagues said, well, gee, Donald, we've moved beyond, you know, using foxglove. We now have digitalis, mm-hmm. and nobody smokes foxglove. So, yeah, smoking does seem to imply to people an unhealthy delivery system. However, whether or not smoking of cannabis, uh, it doesn't compare to the health risk of smoking tobacco. And in fact, you know, there may be some health benefits, actually. Well, what do we know about long-term side effects of smoking marijuana? You know, I don't think it's the THC in there. I think it's all the other products of combustion and or, you know, the paper that may be doing the damage and not... It's true. Uh, Actually, the person who knows the most about this is another Donald, Donald Tashkin, a professor at UCLA, whose his whole career really has been looking at the pulmonary effects of uh, cannabis smoking. And basically, the the most he can come up with may lead to some increase in chronic bronchitis. Certainly on the cellular level, looking at electron micrographs, they notice, you know, alveolar macrophages are darkened or something. But in looking for other adverse long-term consequences, I think the most surprising finding was what his group presented last year, now in publication, uh, basically looking at 1,363 lung cancer patients in Los Angeles, uh, doing a case control study, actually finding that those who regularly smoke cannabis actually had a decreased risk Mm. of developing lung cancer compared to those who didn't. I don't think we want that information to get out. Well, you know, everybody says, how could that be? Somebody once said to me, 
That's like saying that the earth is a triangle. <laughs> you know, I think it's, you know, cannabis has a number of antioxidant and anti-inflammatory properties, which are not necessarily related to the Delta 9 THC, but to other components of the plant, which is why I've always been a, a big supporter of the plant itself as the medicine and not an isolated single component. Let's talk a little bit about the volcano. And this is a delivery system. I'm wondering how you came across this device. Did you did you find it on eBay one night? Or? No, no. So it is a vaporizer. And for those uh, who are saying, well, gee, let's come up with alternatives to combustion and smoking, uh, the Volcano Vaporizer is one of the most high-tech uh, of uh, these devices. Actually, it was developed in a garage, supposedly, in Germany by a medical device inventor. Uh, who actually yesterday they just sent me their new updated digital version of this device. Basically, it looks like a tabletop centrifuge, and it's a heating device and a fan. On top of this tabletop centrifuge, there's a chamber in which the cannabis or whatever herb is being vaporized is placed. And then one attaches a stopcock with a one-way valve uh, attached to which is essentially a turkey roasting bag uh, that's <laughs> clipped off at the end so that it's sort of looks like a upright vacuum cleaner bag from the 50s. And when you turn the dial to the proper number, which is now all digitalized in the new incarnation of this device, the cannabis is heated so that the active ingredients vaporize off of the plant and are then inflated into the balloon, mm -hmm. uh, where they stay until pressure is put on the one-way stopcock uh, to inhale it. Sounds like a super high-tech bong. Yeah, well, it doesn't deal with water, however. Right. And, and also, the differences in a, a bong, which is a water pipe, uh, one is still combusting the right. cannabis. Right. So tell me a little bit about the products that are released from combustion versus vaporization. I am not a, uh, a chemist, uh, but what we found in our study was that there was no exhaled or expired carbon monoxide, which is a noxious byproduct of combustion. Mm -hmm. uh, in our study, which was, uh, as you say, uh, published in the Journal of Clinical Pharmacology and Therapeutics, uh, we took 18 healthy cannabis smokers and we put them in our general clinical research center at San Francisco General Hospital uh, for six days. And on each of those days, they either smoked a half of a government cigarette or had the other half vaporized in the volcano vaporizer using three different strengths of uh, National Institute on Drug Abuse Cannabis, 1.7, 3.5, and 6.8%. And we measured the level of Delta-9 THC and its metabolites in their bloodstream. We measured the, quote, high using a visual analog scale. Uh, we did their vital signs, and we also measured expired carbon monoxide. And we found that in the patients who smoked the cigarettes, they did have a bump in their expired carbon monoxide, suggesting exposure to noxious gases. Whereas the, uh, the patients who vaporized had flat lines, suggesting very much decreased or no exposure to noxious gases. And we did also ask in this uh, group of patients which day they preferred, and the majority of patients actually preferred a day where they were vaporizing their cannabis as a day where they smoked it. If you've just joined us, you're listening to ReachMD, XM233, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Dr. Larry Kaskill. I'm talking today with Dr. Donald Abrams, the chief of hematology oncology at San Francisco General Hospital. We're talking about the vaporization of marijuana. So if I wanted to get a volcano, do I have to be the head of Hemonc? 
I don't, I'm not here to advertise for this particular product, mind you. There are probably other uh, vaporization systems that may work uh, as well, but this is the one that we studied. And they are uh, online. Uh, we in California, of course, have a number of cannabis buyers clubs, and some of them uh, carry this uh, volcano vaporizer product themselves. I do see a lot of cancer patients, and many cancer patients, I believe, benefit from using cannabis for pain, sure. uh, for relief of nausea and vomiting related to chemo, anorexia, uh, helping them sleep, mild euphoria if they have a life-threatening right. terminal illness. And I, I, you know, I do suggest that they look into uh, vaporization as a different uh, mode of delivery. I'm glad you brought that up because I, I was going to ask you that, you know, I know that many of the patients you treat have terminal illnesses. So why worry about the combustion products, if if they're more likely to die from their illness, why not just let them smoke pot normally? Oh, yeah. No, I'm not really worried about it as far as long-term, you know, consequences because, you know, we know many people that smoke marijuana every day live a long life. And I, I mentioned to you already that it appears to actually protect uh, from the development of lung cancer. I, I just think certainly people who have adolescent children, for example, maybe don't want to model marijuana smoking. And if you're vaporizing uh, cannabis using a, a device such as the one that we've described, it, it does seem like it's more of a medical application. Right. Plus, I think that uh, inhalation of a vaporized product is, you know, it seems smoother uh, from what I understand, you know, produces the same effect. I have a lot of patients in my practice that smoke marijuana, as I'm sure most primary care physicians do if they bother to ask their patients. And I'm wondering if it's a health benefit to recommend to them to vaporize so that we can avoid the harmful toxins such as the carbon monoxide. Or are we going to be looked at as some fringe physician if we recommend something that's actually beneficial for our marijuana smokers? I guess what state are you in? Illinois. And what's the status of uh, medical marijuana legislation there? Last time I looked, it was quite illegal. Yeah, because I think there are now... 12, perhaps 13 states. It's on the governor's desk in Connecticut, I believe. Rhode Island might have just passed it. So, you know, if you're in a state where, you know, you can't even talk about it, then that's a problem. Uh, we in California treat discussion of medical cannabis as we do discussing anything. And as long as we document in the patient's chart why we're recommending it and what we're recommending and, and do evaluations over time to make sure that our recommendation is still appropriate, then that's how we handle recommendations uh, for patients to use uh, medical cannabis. Dr. Abrams, you know there's a oral form of THC out there, Marinol. Yes. Does it work for patients or do they prefer uh, smoking? Uh, those are two different questions. This is what got me into studying uh, smoked marijuana in the first place. When the indication for dronabinol was increased from chemotherapy-induced nausea and vomiting in 1986 to also cover anorexia associated with AIDS wasting uh, in 1992, at that time, I was caring for many people living with HIV AIDS. And when we started prescribing dronabinol, they said, you know, this is okay, but it's a little difficult to titrate the effect. Mm -hmm. comes on two and a half hours after it's taken. And if you want to increase your appetite for breakfast, then you have to get up pretty right, early. Right. Plus, when you take either dronabinol by mouth or eat marijuana products that are baked by mouth, you do have this low and variable oral bioavailability. And when you have first pass through the liver, your delta-9 THC becomes an 11-hydroxy mm -hmm. uh, metabolite, which in and of itself is psychoactive. So people eating brownies or taking dronabinol actually get more of a CNS effect 
than people smoking. People smoking also the peak plasma concentration is reached in two and a half minutes as opposed to two and a half hours. So it's easier to titrate. The effect is gone quicker. There's less of the 11-hydroxy. So definitely Delta-9 THC as dronabinol works to increase appetite, and it is useful still in some patients uh, with chemotherapy-induced nausea and vomiting, but most studies where they're compared uh, seem to indicate that the patients do prefer smoking. Dr. Abrams, any last thoughts on, on vaporization for, for cannabis use? Well, I think it is another mode of delivery. In fact, we're currently doing a study in patients with pain on opioids, looking at cannabinoid-opioid interactions. And we have been able to change this study, which is funded by the National Institute on Drug Abuse, to instead of looking at smoke cannabis, looking at vaporized cannabis, because I think this is the way to go with regards to doing uh, clinical trials, looking at safety and efficacy of cannabis in a number of situations. Dr. Donald Abrams, I'd like to thank you very much for coming on the show. My pleasure. I'm Dr. Larry Caskell, and you've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. For comments and questions, send your email to xm at reachmd.com, and thanks for listening.